0: hi welcome to this antidote audio welcome to the house of gucci a text by susie lau aka susie bubble taken from antidote's first fanzine published in september 2021 welcome to the house of gucci what's in a house or more specifically what's in a maison in fashion speak a maison is grandiose stiff an imposing address in the upper crust parts of Paris, founded by a sole couturier, lonesome, in an ivory tower, weighed down by the lofty haute couture-look placards in a salon and trains of fai and taffeta. The Italian casa is warm, inviting, familial. Mi casa, su casa. There's often feuds brewing in amongst the dynasties bearing the names of these houses, fighting over creative and financial control i oust you you oust me basta what's more the question that fashion hacks continually ponder in existential ennui is what is the meaning of a fashion house today when tiktokers gen z and beyond seemingly don't care about codes dna or even history their concept of nostalgia fixating currently on 2000s and no further back in rebirth, regeneration and rebranding, the house is fluid. It slips and slides. The age of fashion houses in the 21st century have been defined by jaw-dropping vault-face turnarounds. Blink and an old logo is gone. Replaced by a new one, maybe in a sans-serif font. Walk into a store and marble surfaces might well become pink velvet. Instagram accounts are scrubbed fresh. New feed, no feed, next. Gucci is as big and titan as they come. It's up there in the stratospheric bracket of mega-houses, which shift the dials of the fashion sphere. Where it goes and what it does, the world reacts. But even in its titan, core of conglomerate form, there's a casa, a heart, a sequin aorta clutch. It's a house that has been played with, moulded and shaped to fit the times, especially when it's not particularly tethered to its originating founder, even the most hardcore of fashion aficionados might not be able to recount the story of Guccio Gucci, the son of a straw hat artisan who wound up working as a bellboy at the Savoy Hotel in London and cottoned on to the fact that jet-setting, with glamorous luggage, was here to stay. And thus, in 1921, Gucci struck out on his own and opened a leather goods store in Florence. That brand birth story isn't impressed on you like other Maison founders and their broken record narratives. What followed Guccio's charmed beginnings was rather more turbulent. There was the bitter sibling rivalry between Guccio's three sons, Vasco, Rodolfo and Aldo, who ended up heading up the Gucci expansion during their first golden era in the 1950s to the 1970s. Then it was the turn of the next generation of feuds between cousins Giorgio, Paolo and Maurizio Gucci, who ran the company into the ground and whose untimely demise, at the hands of his former wife Patrizia Reggiani, is soon to be immortalised on screen in Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, starring Adam Driver and Lady Gaga as the estranged couple. Perhaps it's all that familiar drama that inadvertently fueled Gucci's continual states of reinvention... Too many cooks in the Cucina, leading to the financial powers that be tussling over its fate. Moreover, pivoting is rooted in Gucci's history. After all, shortly after opening the Florence store, Guccio saw the need for luxury equestrian gear and quickly pivoted to saddle making and horse riders' accessories. All that remains of this equestrian clientele past is the red and green striped web derived from a saddle that are now often used house colours and the all-important horsebit clasp that anchors the bags, loafers and belts which once were the sole bread and butter of the house. If Gucci is a pivotable and malleable house, then the creative director who has been able to, no pun intended, harness that universe, expand the language and go forth into new territory without it feeling off-brand, is its most unlikely one. The Wonder Kid tale about how Alessandro Michela was hired has been oversold for good reason. It's a story made for TV serialisation as a young Michela worked his way up through the ranks at Gucci, beginning under Tom Ford in 2002, and ending up as head of accessories under Frida Giannini. On the verge of leaving Gucci to pursue costume design in London, itself a telling portent, CEO of Gucci, Marco Bizzari, managed to convince him to stay. Rip it up and start afresh. Bizzari challenged Michaela to redesign the fall 2015 menswear collection in five days, and thus the McKellian blueprint came to be incarnated through wiry figures in glasses, a slinky pussy bow blouse, and a nonconformist languor that was then reiterated at the women's wear show weeks later. The din of a Milanese metro, maybe the grit of that darker 70s to 80s era of Gucci, not referenced overtly but lingering, A romance flourishing through floral suiting, whimsical accessories and deliberately creased dresses that suggested illicit snogging on the train. The rest is fashion history, as McKellar went on to architect the most dramatic turnaround of fortunes at the Mammoth House, both creatively and monetarily. No biggie. There'll be House of Gucci sequels, starring Jared Leto, holding a metal wax head of McKellar from Gucci's fall-winter-18 cyborg collection, Bet big, go bold, or go home, was the strategy and it worked, granting an only way is up trajectory for the house and Michaela. Today, there are generations that won't remember Gucci any other way, nor can they imagine it so. Lazy generalisations about Michaela will have him pigeonholed as a vintage-loving, romantic maven, hence why banal words such as quirky are repeatedly bandied about while describing Michaela's oeuvre dissect his collections, and they tend to be biggies upwards of 70 looks on average, and what you'll find is meticulous research of the past, sitting alongside stylistic curveballs, storied garments rooted in, yes, vintage pieces, but then jolted to the present with, say, a baseball shirt, or a funky trainer, or a spiky piece of jewellery. Perhaps the one defining trait of Michaela's Gucci is how utterly unsettled he is on one particular aesthetic realm, skitting from one thing to another. Those double GGs live in all manner of contexts and situations. On a bondage necklace in the club. On a straw hat that sits in Provence, cleverly nodding to Gucci Gucci's roots. On a lycra onesie made for an 80s themed workout. On hiking boots that are sorta kinda made for the outdoors but not. Normcore, floorcore, cottagecore, Goblin Corps, hype beast, Hype Bay. Michaela has a veritable answer that fits under those disparate hashtags and they all manage to hang together under one happy casa roof. The iconic Gucci flora scarf print, designed by Vittorio Aconero for Grace Kelly, who then became an avid Gucci customer, in itself holds an obvious metaphor for the era of Michaela. Perfumes literally bloom. So too does the now expanded Gucci beauty world. There's the homeware that is also replete with flowers. There's a Gucci garden, figuratively and physically ensconced in Florence, the birthplace of the house, with Michelin-starred cuisine to boot. The Gucci flora iconography takes on so much more than just the plain old reissued form as Michele finds new ways for his own Gucci floral garden to grow. And Michele is always looking beyond the house's own archives. A flower might appear in the shape of a Ken Scott collaboration, for instance, featured in the Overture collection, which is an ode to the original fashion's gardener. From the get-go, Michaela has made a point of embedding symbols, iconography, words, with hidden or overt meanings into his collections. Cynics might call this Instagram baiting, or they are the visual cues of a designer who confesses to pursuing the illegitimate. In other words, mining the depths of a house and calling it his own. Gucci misspelt as Gucci, G-U-C-C-Y, is the most obvious example, or when a tote is graffitied with real. Chateau Marmont, la vogue par amour. The serpent snaking its way literally and symbolically Liberty Prince. Gucci's place in pop culture is for sure entrenched, but Michaela constantly seeks to keep adding to this entangled lexiconography. As if to say to the gen pub, Gucci is more than just the GG. Speaking of which, Gucci's eponymous GG canvas, conceived because of the shortage of luxury materials in the post-war era, wound up on tourist tack under the leadership of Maurizio Gucci in the 1980s. Diluted, overexposed and cheapened. The same GG canvas, three decades later, is present and correct and more in your face than ever. It's been overlaid with characters ranging from Donald Duck to Doraemon, icons hailing from two different continents, or more cynically, markets, that props up that all-important profit margin. Michaela doesn't shirk from it, and consistently it crops up in every collection, under every possible garment iteration. Gucci's bag remit, which was once Michaela's domain, also doesn't shy away from revising the past. Q reissued versions of Bamboo and the Jackie Hobo, named after Jacqueline Kennedy, that play on their quaint Dolce Vita era past. Aesthetics aside, perhaps the biggest tidal wave of change that Michaela has brought about is a mode of communication and collaboration that would have most comms people in the luxury field running scared. If you're an open house that centres itself on being everything under the sun, then inevitably, haters are going to hate maybe maisons don't fail and a house as big as gucci might never really falter but gucci has proven itself to correct flaws when michaela showed off a gg puff sleeved bomber jacket as part of their cruise 2018 collection it was immediately called out as a like-for-like copy of a piece originally created by legendary harlem outfitter dapper dan in 1989 albeit with a different logo Handing the reins to Dapper Dan wholeheartedly and funding an atelier in Harlem, as well as collaborating meaningfully with the hip-hop couturier, is an above-and-beyond gesture that cleverly adds Dan to a Gucci familiar of a different sort. The values that we so often demand from brands, even as their boardrooms are unwilling to yield real discernible change, manifest in a litany of tangible gestures. Whether it's Chime, the zine edited by activist Adam Eli, promoting LGBTQ plus rights, or Gucci Equilibrium's support of various charitable organisations around the world proffering positive change, or venturing into sustainable materials such as recycled nylon echinil, could so easily be read as CSR, corporate social responsibility, lip service, but under Mikella, the missive seems plausible. We can dream in Michaela's sequin-feathered, frothy, florid clothes, but we can also dream of a better world, as trite as that sounds. And it is that we come to the oh-so-important centenary. One hundred years in fashion marks longevity, heritage, history. All heavy words that are overused in fashion speak. And yet, do they really matter in the long-term scope of Michaela's multi-pronged modus operandi? Filmed in Rome's Cincinnati studios and co-directed by Floria Sigismundi, Gucci's centenary show began in Guccio Gucci's former workplace, The Savoy, and plays out to a catwalk of intense paparazzi to a soundtrack of Gucci referencing bawling hits like Lil Pump's Gucci Gang and Creation's Gucci Gucci. The name Aria the solo part of an opera that soars above the rest, is deliberately deflective, as Michaela's Gucci verse is anything but a solo effort. The opening look was Michaela serving up an unapologetic homage in the shape of Tom Ford for Gucci's Fall winter 1996 red velvet suit, as worn by Gwyneth Paltrow. Lest we forget, let's talk Tom fucking Ford, for we are not worthy of the chapter of Gucci's story that shaped not just the house, but fashion at large. Appointed as creative director in 1994, Ford gave Gucci its ready-to-wear raison d'être with his scintillating sex-cells vibes that were the antithesis of the minimal 90s. Ford hit billions with Gigi shaved into pubic hair and clothes that revealed, slinked, and were intended to be hiked up by roving hands. Those sexual advances might be out of step with a post me too world, but when Michaela takes on fetish gear, first by welding a flogger in the sexplosive Spring-Summer 20 collection, and further expanding on that world in Aria, he taps into the psyche of a post-pandemic world too, where dating, like the fluidly sexual apps Field and Graphic Grinder, are day-to-day chat fodder. But then came the boldest move in the tearing up of the centenary celebration rulebook, As if Michaela was deliberately fault-facing on himself, he decided to hack the house. Balenciaga is a bona fide maison, with the aforementioned trains of fell and couture placards, with ghosts of its past in its Avenue George V Atelier. Under the creative directorship of Demna Gavsalia, this maison has also thrown off some historic shackles. In Gavsalia, Michaela saw a fellow thief, A borrower of ideas and concepts that are ripe for interpreting and reinterpreting, Breaking the internet aside, having Balenciaga and Gigi sit side by side and laid atop of one another, is the equivalent of putting two fingers up at supposed house codes and systems. How sure are you of the foundations of a fashion brand when we live in a world where politically, socially and climatically we are constantly teetering on the brink of doomden? It may or may not be the roaring 20s, as most fashion enthusiasts like to portend, as we are still in the throes of a worldwide pandemic. But McKellar is going to ensure that, at the very least, Gucci is on an extreme edge, refusing to rest on a 100 years of branding laurels. Gucci's GGs will continue to find themselves in new places and times and on new audiences. Gucci's sphere will keep expanding because fashion is crossing fields like never before. If houses can be hacked and the X's keep multiplying, then Gucci becomes almost boundless in its scope. Never mind the next hundred years. The next hundred days might spring at unexpected twists and turns. Buckle up. The ride isn't over yet. All that's left to do then is make like Lady Gaga in her Patrizia Reggiani mega get-up in the currently memeing film trailer and swear on it. Make it your mantra. Father, Son, and the house of Gucci. After all, some things are just meant to be forever sacred.